Hello and welcome to Arts Equator's podcast. Pigs are flying, hell is freezing over, and I am about to engage in an in-depth discussion about dance. Fortunately, I am not alone. I have with me Dr. Stephanie Burridge. Hello, everyone. Today, we'll be talking about Dance Nucleus's Hatch initiative and their recent work-in-progress showcase. But before we get into the details of that, Stephanie, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Dance Nucleus. Yeah, I think Dance Nucleus is a very important part of the Singapore dance ecology at the moment because we have a growing number of independent dance artists. Mm. Many of these have had professional experience with local companies like THE, Arts Vision, Maya Dance Theatre, Frontier Dance Land. And around the world, it's a trend that dancers like to work with a company to get some experience, but then they would go on to want to create their own work, express yeah. their body in their own way and hook up with other people, sometimes in collectives, sometimes in just a one-off project. So Dance Nucleus really caters for that. Um, the other side of it is that it's a place that's focused on dance research and performative practice. Yeah. By that we don't mean academics writing papers, but bodies in space experimenting with ideas to create a work in progress, which will be a piece that might continue to a work somewhere else, or it might be just a, a fragment of an idea that could be revisited either next year or, or never again. But mm. the idea is that you take something with the strong intention that you build on that and you really probe deeply into something that you want to say. So it's really been a, a very important platform for our senior artists that have mm. gone through a company process. Along with that, it does have um, some emerging artists that work in those projects as well. And also technique classes, one-off workshops with dance artists from around the world that have got something special to contribute and locally as well. And people can also use the yeah. studio to experiment and, and play with ideas as well. Yeah, it's such a good thing because it seems to me to be the dance version of Centre 42, which is an organisation that aims to develop and support new Singaporean writing. Mm. It's got that same idea of work in progress and mentorship. So it's really nice that we're kind of spinning that out to all the art forms and having a real sense that we can build something new here from scratch, not worry too much about failure and yeah. go on to create the new interesting work that is going to really fuel the I think the it's scene. really important for dancers because dancers can't stop uh, it's not like perhaps writing or film where you can leave it and come back. So yeah, it happens in your body, brain without your body doing anything. Oh well, yes, it's like it's like a sports person. You know, you've got to be doing it all the, every day, and the chance to actually have a studio space where you can train, you can work, you can roll around the floor and try some yeah. ideas is really important. It's a nice size studio as well there at the Goodman Art Centre, isn't it? It's on the second floor, and uh, it's well, a it's, pretty, it works pretty good as space. A, black box space, not quite black box, no, but a, box. Uh, a gray box, <laughs> yeah. but a space that's big enough to yeah. show the works in progress, which is part of the idea that if you're going to show work, it's more like a demonstration of where you're at so far, that there's minimum lighting, costumes, usually audience discussion, participation yes. at the end for feedback. And I think what's interesting about Dance Nucleus in the last show is that they're even looking at the sort of audience feedback that artists actually want. It's not, mm. um, it's much more directed. It's much more the artists also having an opportunity to ask the audience what they would like to 
hear yes. and discuss rather than just audience members saying, well, you know, you should have done this or perhaps you could have done that, which sometimes <laughs> isn't really useful because it's a different idea. Yeah, every single feedback session you stay to at the end starts with a long silence, followed by somebody tentatively putting up their hand and saying, well, what did you want it to mean? So it is nice when you kind of laser in on the focus and that the artists are going with an agenda of what they want to find out about it. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that later. We had three short pieces in this edition of Hatch, which is Dance Nucleus's work in progress showcase thing. We started with Lazarus Parable Movement by Wayne Ong and Lea Ang. And then we had Finalng by Felicia Lim, which is a jumble up of falling. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we had 28615 by Ayara Eleto was the final piece. I guess we'll start from the beginning there. So Lazarus Parable Movement is based on the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, where a rich man and the beggar who sleeps at his gate, Lazarus, both die at the same time. Obviously, Lazarus goes to heaven and the rich man goes to hell. And then the rich man asks the powers that be to send Lazarus back to the world of the living and warn the rich man's family so that they don't end up in hell too. So now we've got that background, maybe you can tell us how they communicated that. I think the problem's already been stated in. We have such a, a long program note for this piece. and It is. Program it's a full quarter of an A3. It's like A5's yes. worth. So already we've got something which is telling us that, you know, the artist wants this to be such a literal interpretation yeah. of this story. So I think that what was interesting about this piece was the articulation, particularly of Wayne Yes. Ong is a dancer. He yeah. really showed beautiful movement, especially in the torso and the way he expressed the anguish of this character. And Very I thought strong. it was unfortunate that we had to have so much preamble about what it was about rather than taking a metaphoric approach where you are a man struggling with certain... Because um, that's what I got out of it anyway. I yeah. only had time to vaguely scan read the program, plus which it's white on mid-grey in dark Difficult lighting. to read. Artists, please <laughs> don't give us black programs. But afterwards, once I had read the program note, I was like, oh, that was more literal than I thought. Yeah, no, and it was very was a literal. And I, I think there's, it's interesting as an audience member to approach shows in different ways. Sometimes I go in and I don't read the program at all because yeah. I think, well, you know, I'm here because I want to see dance and, and say something I to me. I don't want to read. I saw two people dancing on two different levels. Obviously, mm. it's about a, a power struggle of some sort. It's very metaphoric in many ways. I thought what was interesting is that the movement underneath the table. Mm. So by, that was layer uh, yeah, underneath the yes, table. completely mirrored what was going on above, which was a very interesting device choreographically to use, yeah. and they did that well. So in amongst all of the literal, wanting to be too literal with the narrative, there was some beautiful movement and some lovely phrasing of the emotion. Now, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed Butoh-influenced. Uh, it could be in some ways. People use Butoh to describe movement that's quite um, slow and very 
coming from the very visceral, from the centre of the body, quite yeah. somatic Finding sometimes. Finding the beauty and ugliness and despair. Yes, but I, I, personally I wouldn't find that in it myself because I think it's <laughs> So in going, other words, I'm wrong. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, I think it's going very fast. And, but Butoh's become so commercialised actually. When Butoh yeah. first started it was so slow and you can see the history of the Shankajuku company, which is a very yes. well-known one. Yes, you if can't you call that the dance of darkness it. anymore, can you? No, I mean they've really speeded up because mm. they're in a more more commercial sphere, so you could be right in that sense. But I think what was interesting, the movement I thought was very thought through, very yes. a lot of articulation, a great deal of depth. And if this narrative helped them find that direction in the movement, it's not a bad thing. You but see, not yeah. the audience need not necessarily know so much information. I, I would have preferred it without the program note. There was a lovely sense of evolution, mm. devolution, the struggle between these two realms where he is often on top of the table and she's underneath it. There was a sense of a great crisis hitting and how they respond to that and again how that permeates the realms. I I think it's up to them how deep they want to take this in mm. terms of the uh, religious connections and connotations, yeah. reading further into the program. It, it seems that might be something that they want to do as people, as choreographers. So it's up to them. But I, I would just think as an art piece, it works quite well without so much literal preamble about it, about frailties of people, strengths, yeah. weaknesses, how one overcomes, how... All these things work together in some way. Yeah, but uh, really nice finished quality of movement and there was that ritual quality about it, wasn't there? Oh, yes, and the whole progression, I think it was definitely a feeling of a journey that was progressing movement-wise as also emotionally. Well, let's move on to the next one, Finalg. I'm going to spell that. F-N-I-A-L-L-G. So an anagram of falling. And Let's just call it falling. Let's call it falling. I think, I think that is what we will do. So falling by Felicia Lim. And this was uh, another duet. Or do I say padada? Oh, usually duet for contemporary. Okay, yeah. good. We learn. So this was another duet with the dancers uh, Jung Kweiman and Rachel Lim. And as you might expect, it involved an exploration of the concept of falling. Uh, it was trust falls, basically, like you might get in a theatre warm-up. And they had a load of red stools that the dancers could get up on so that they could fall off them again. And a red bin got involved at one point. Stephanie, your thoughts? Well, again, I think this one was far too literal, uh, I think the overall concept of falling is, is wonderful. It, yeah. It's a metaphor for many things in life and they hinted at that as it went along. The idea of one person supporting another one through various stages and, and it changes and it moves back and forth and it evolves through the space. But I think that the plastic chairs and the dustbin didn't really give a a sophisticated sense of those metaphors. So the dustbin comes later and... And Rachel turtles in it, right? She basically puts it on as a shell and then kind of edges around the floor for a while, whereas the plastic stools are usually used to fall off from. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they, they had fun. It was quite playful mm. in the way it developed. I could see them in the studio trying out many ideas and what's it like if you fall off here or there and some moments were, were fine but I think it needed a lot more articulation at a deeper level physically. They could have experimented a lot more with how the body can fall yes. rather than just uh, simple off a chair or there, there are many ways of metaphors of falling and I think that that could be something that they might work on as they progress further with it. Yeah. There was a sense that you were just going to have this constant pattern of legato run into staccato fall. Very little emotional variation. I was looking for that Miss Julie moment where someone desperately wants to fall or devolve and that never really yeah. came in. I think that there, there's some way to go with this one. To me it mm. looked as though it was quite quickly um, thought through on one level with the props. If you took the props away, immediately you'd have a, a different sense of falling. What could that mean? Yeah. So as soon as you have the props there in a way, they're fun, but they also can block a deeper level because they force you into a particular pattern, as you say, run, stand on a chair, fall off it, catch, roll on the floor, repeat in various ways. So I think that they there's some layers of experimentation that they could go on with much more there. I believe you are saying that the props were a prop. They were. <laughs> I'm sorry. My favourite moment for that was we'd had this real flurry of trustful, 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 yes. trustful coming at a really fast rate. Yes. And then we had Rachel stand on a stool, turn her back, and you saw Poiman warily assess, is she going to fall from that stool? And then at some point think, no, she's not, and go about her business. And what was nice there was you'd seen so much of this falling, you couldn't let it slip. She's going to fall off that stool and you're not going to be there to catch her. And so that sudden halt in the pace was by far the most effective part of it for me, but it was there was not too much playing with those tempos really, was there? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. The anticipation of falling is the part that's the most exciting and intriguing. Yes. Really. So yeah, it's like a horror movie. Break it up, otherwise it becomes you're not anticipating anymore. You're expecting rather than anticipating. So and that's a device we use in training for things like contact improvisation, for mm. example, like that moment of falling. How long can you let somebody go before you need to catch them? So these are very interesting moments and ideas to work with. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you mentioned contact improv because we do that in drama as well. I'm a drama teacher. And this piece did kind of look like the result of a three-hour contact improv workshop. And I mentioned earlier, maybe we'd come back to the post-show talk. Now, I know you didn't stay for the post-show talk on the night that you went, but I did. And Felicia, the choreographer, really just focused on the idea of, oh, I was seeing what they had, and the word random kept coming up. And at that point, if you haven't set for yourself a direction, even a preliminary direction, what value is getting feedback on that? What do you feel is the value of these talkback sessions for a choreographer? I know you choreograph yourself. You must have had them. What 
No, I'll actually correct that because uh, I would say all of this audience dialogue is quite a new thing. It's a new structure that people have brought in to try to bridge the gap between the artists and the audience. Yeah. Some people love them, some people hate them. It's also trying to make criticism less anonymous so yeah. that as an artist you don't suddenly read in the paper the next day that everybody hated the show, <laughs> whereas you had a feeling that the audience liked the show because yeah. the critic's one person, of course. So it's trying to sort of address some of those issues and some of the barriers. And it's also part of, I would say, the academization of the arts yes. where artists are supposed to be articulate we have artists writing essays about their work now in doing PhDs about their work as performative practice. So the idea that the artist is articulate is part of what we uh, expect with performance now. Yeah, it is an expectation. And while Yara Eleitu, who choreographed the third piece, was wonderfully articulate in the feedback session on the night I attended, uh, the other choreographers, not so much. And then it can get a bit frustrating and you kind of wonder how much use it is to anyone, artists included. I think what was most interesting about this one is that Susan Settler took the feedback on the first night she brought in this model, which is called Liz Lerman's critical response model. Yes. And this is a model which empowers the artists. So the idea is that there are a series of questions and what we call neutral questions, but then the artist takes control and the artist can choose to answer a question or not. The artist can also pose a question about yes. what they want to get. So it flips it around. So I think this is a, a more directed way of asking the artist, well, what would you like to find out? Yeah, Susan was not running the talk back on the night I saw it, and it did have that pattern of silence followed by probably unhelpful feedback. So definitely that feedback model that you point out there is probably something to, they can work with. Uh, to just conclude this, it's who the feedback is coming from. Yes. Really, if you've got somebody in the audience that you really respect and they say something about your work, it's wonderful. It can really make your heart sing and move you forward yeah. rapidly. Whereas if it's a whole lot of people that really, you know, why it's, it's valid that they're there and it's great that they came and they enjoyed the show, what they have to say about it might be less... Well, yes, I was one of those people. I gave quite a lot of feedback, so sorry about that. It comes from no basis of skill whatsoever. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's true. But I think artists are very vulnerable when they create work too. So yeah. there's a lot of vulnerability in putting your work out there in the first place and then to come out afterwards and have to listen to people say things which may even be hurtful to you. Yeah. That vulnerability is something that is interesting to think about. Well, that vulnerability was really on show in the third piece, 28615, which is, I believe, and we're not told this in the blurb, but we work it out afterwards and from context, which I believe is the date of Yara Eleto and Tzwarta Howe's marriage. Yes, that's right. So this piece, we started off, it had five scenes, three of which were dance and two of which were not in the first scene, we see a relationship of testing each other's limits. In the second, the dancers shake hands with the audience and thank them for coming. In the third, we see a relationship which is much more secure, where the people in the relationship can play with it. They know each other's limits. They're allowed to be free, but also come back to each other. In the fourth, we have a video projected which gives the game away. We see 
their ROM ceremony, Yara and Zohao's ROM ceremony, with them hearing from the solemnizer, I believe is who he was, about their wedding vows. And then in the fifth, we shift to this... I don't know, I guess you say that if the marriage vow is in sickness and in health, for better and for worse, then this is the sickness and the worse. You almost get a sense that they are locked in this painful embrace, marching towards death. Thoughts on this one? Um, I'm not sure if I totally agree with the reading okay. of that. But uh, I think this this one is a, a an example of extraordinary Singaporean artists that have mm. really the top of their careers at the moment as dancers yeah. and progressing rapidly as choreographers as well. I think the quality of the movement in this was extraordinary, like every yes. detail, every twist of a wrist, every fall of the weight, in, in contrast to the previous piece. It was very thoroughly thought through and going from a balanced leaning on each other as they progress. And we should, I don't think you mentioned that the audience sat either side of this. Yeah, like it was a, staged in traverse. An aisle, yeah. yes. And so they progressed back and forth in this and, and they went from being perfectly balanced in symmetry to off balance and falling around each other and finding that point of connection. So they remained connected and then the last part was quite jarring with quite... Mm jarring sort of movements of elbows and wrists and uncomfortable positions. And I think that that was very, very hard to create. And those two dancers are, are so used to working with each other. Yeah. That's certainly part of it. But also the choreography skill in creating something like that is quite special. And on top of that, a very strong facial expression, which is... Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Which really went from this sort of harmonising to quite sort of almost a bit distraught, a bit angry and many emotions that happened during the course of that progression back and forth. Especially Yara's face. I mean, you could just read that from miles away. There's such a weight of emotion behind it at every moment. And it's so fluid and responsive to the slightest touch from her partner. Wonderful to see. And again, a contrast with the previous piece where you kind of get that, and you're going to slap me for this, you kind of get that dancer face. Mm. Oh, I'm glad you nodded there. Good. It is a thing. Because, and, and of course, sometimes choreographically it's essential. You do need to create yeah. a mask out of the face. But, but I think with Yara's piece as well, it's obviously so brave and, and so intensely personal. So yes. it's completely different from an abstract idea like falling. I mean, this is mm. falling in another way. It's an intensely personal journey that she puts out there on stage for other people to be part of. So that is such a brave thing to do. Yeah. But it does give it an intensity which is... It cannot match with something that's more of an abstract idea that doesn't... Well, exactly, yeah. because what we had here was such a specificity. Yes. But on the other hand, it wasn't literal. You and I clearly interpreted it differently. Whereas once you read the Lazarus parable, then that becomes the key to unlocking it. On the other hand, in this third piece, once you see the ROM video and you know it's about their marriage... Mm -hmm. You still want to broaden it to what it says about relationships and humanity and trust and codependence. And it's anchored in their marriage, but it really kind of radiates beyond it. I was very impressed by that piece. Yeah, I think that that's the key to making great art. It has a level of complexity which yeah. goes beyond the moment of the piece itself into something that resonates with people in the audience, that has wider implications. So I think it's that layering that starts to make something that's 
very worthwhile as a as mm. an art piece as progresses towards great choreography. So I don't know what the plans for this might be in the future, but yeah. I think keeping it tight like that spatially was also a very clever device. Spatially tight was nice. And, and as you say, putting it in the aisles so that once you realise it's a wedding, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that works so perfectly. For me, I could have watched it for a lot longer than it was on. And I think because each of the three main dance segments had such an unusual relationship to the rest... There is then the potential to put more of that in and really keep zigzagging. I want to see the 90-minute version of this, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think the other part, if it had a weakness, I think this greeting the audience part could have been stronger in some ways. I'm not sure there was that level of repetition to go around the whole audience doing that. Perhaps it could have been broken up with something else, but I think that's something they could think about. And it's obviously very dependent on the space, and if it was in a different theatre, I don't know how that would work or what they would do if they would go into the audience. Mm. It's yeah. interesting to think about as well. It was the only part that wasn't thought through really, wasn't it? It was literally just, thank you for coming, shake your hand, move on to the next person, thank you for coming, shake your hand. And if you think of what is involved in your kind of wedding dinner church ceremony, thank you for coming, there's a lot more you could do with the audience interaction there. I think that might be a way to move forward perhaps. Yes, I think it's something that they might think about. Yeah. That, uh, I, But at the same time, I'm glad that scene was there because I think if you took it out, the theatricality yeah. of that was yeah. quite um, interesting and, and seeing them as, as people. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, they're clearly very strongly in control of the direction they want to go with this piece and it's just going to be lovely to see what it turns into. Mm-hmm. So those are the three pieces that uh, we saw in this Hatch showcase. Now... Dance Nucleus is not so much a traditional company, it describes itself in its program as an independent dance house. But the previous night to this, I was one floor down in Goodman Arts Centre watching release by Maya Dance Theatre. And that also was a showcase of, in this case, four small-scale works. What is the difference between this dance company downstairs, Maya Dance Theatre, and Dance Nucleus upstairs? I think the main thing is that Nucleus is an incubation place where the idea is to work with ideas that may or may not go into a completed work, whereas a company is working with their repertoire to increase the number of works they have in their program and releases an opportunity for artists to be part of that, but they would expect a, a work of a finished quality mm. to be part of that, which perhaps they can also add to their repertoire for touring and sometimes to go back to where those artists came from, like, for example, some of these were from Malaysia, so it gives the opportunity mm. for Maya to go to Malaysia and perform there. So it's more of a cultural exchange ethos rather than an experimental ethos, even though there is a, an idea to present a variety of works with different ideas and intentions. Yeah. The idea is definitely to have some sort of polished finish with it rather than saying, well, this is a work in progress and we might continue it. It could go this way, it could go a different way, which is much more what Nucleus is about. So the idea of Nucleus is people taking risks, the risk, Mm. and we could see in this program particularly the last piece is huge risk to put on a work like that. And, And also the ethos of the space allows the audience to come and view that with the objective that it is a work in progress, that it is a risk-taking piece 
and they come expecting to see something like that. So it also enables the artist to put out something that's very experimental and in that atmosphere, which is they may or may not do in a, a more polished sort of atmosphere of a, yeah. a company that's wanting to grow their audience base for a particular type of work. And with that, we are pretty much out of time. So we promised we would have more dance coverage on the podcast and we're doing it. It's happening. And we'll get Stephanie back on in the very near future. But right now, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you and enjoy all the dance that's on offer in Singapore. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs>